Okay, well today we're going to talk a little bit more about Ephesians. Now if you remember, last week we had the people from CAP amongst us and they were talking about money and budgeting and all the great amazing charitable work that they do amongst the poor people in England. Um, But the week before that we talked about an introduction to Ephesians. Do you remember we talked about the book, we talked about the recipients and we talked about the author? So the book is broken into two parts. The first part is doctrinal. That means a collection of thoughts and ideas about scripture. The last three was more kind of lifestyle teaching, coaching. That's what the Bible is going to teach you. The author, Paul, uh, was not one of the original disciples, but he was chosen by Jesus. Okay, so on the road to Damascus, the ascended Jesus came down and spoke to Paul and said, Here I am. I am Jesus. Stop persecuting me. Paul went and got laid hands laid on with other disciples, and the rest is history. Um, yeah, so we're going to pick that up again now. So I'm going to pick up on some, what I would call basic Christian doctrine. Okay, um, first of all, I'm going to read you what they put on the Evangelical Alliance website, because we are part of the Evangelical Alliance. Did you know that? So we pay a membership to them. Uh, and to join the Evangelical Alliance, which is exactly what it sounds like, we all have to say we agree with these principles. And today is the first one. Today is the one we're going to talk about. Uh, We're not going to go through all of them throughout the course, but we will be going through that one today. So we believe the one true God who lives eternally in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The second one is the love, grace, and sovereignty of God in creating, sustaining, ruling, redeeming and judging the world. The divine inspiration and supreme authority of the Old and New Testament scriptures, which are written word of God, which are the written word of God, fully trustworthy for our faith and our conduct. The dignity of all people made male and female in God's image to love, be holy and care for creation, yet corrupted by sin which incurs divine wrath and judgment. The incarnation of God's eternal Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Born of the Virgin Mary, truly divine, truly human, yet without sin. That means divine God, truly God, and truly human. The atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross, dying in our place, paying the price of sin and defeating evil, so reconciling us with God. The bodily resurrection of Christ, the first fruits of our resurrection, his ascension to the Father and his reign and mediation as the only saviour of the world. The justification of sinners solely by the grace of God through faith. We are saved by grace alone. Hallelujah. The ministry of God through the Holy Spirit who leads us to repentance, unites us with Christ through new birth, empowers our discipleship and enables our witness. The church, the body of Christ, both local and universal, the priesthood of all believers, given life by the Spirit and endowed with the Spirit's gifts to worship God and proclaim the gospel, promoting justice and love and the personal and visible return of Jesus Christ to fulfill the purposes of God, who will raise all to judgment, bring eternal life to the redeemed, and eternal condemnation to the lost, and establish a new heaven and a new earth. Many of those things we've talked about recently, many of those things we'll talk about again, they are the foundation of our faith, but today we are going to talk about the word we use, Trinity. Let's be really clear The Trinity is not a word that's ever used in the Bible. It's the name that we've given, the doctrine, which is the collection of thoughts and scriptures, to understand God a little bit better. 
Many of you are Christian. Many of you have given your lives back to God. Many of you have been saved, given your life to Jesus. Whatever kind of terminology you want to use. And I'm one of those. Hallelujah. So in my nature, I want to understand. If I gave my life to someone or something, surely I'd want to know who that someone or something is. So I've dedicated much of my life to getting to know him better. Why am I hesitating? It's the impossible task. How do you describe God? Anyone want to have a go? Can we just wave a Bible? <laughs> okay, well that'll take you a year to read through according to some reading plans. How do you describe God? Well, many, many, many people have tried to describe this. So we know, we've sung about it this morning. That in the Trinitarian Christian, we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, we believe in the Holy Spirit. I think every one of us here has heard those terms. Are we talking about three different people? Are we talking about one person in three different forms? It's complicated, right? Carol, I've got some illustrations. Um, I've got a bad one to begin with. We all know who St. Patrick is. Patron saint of getting drunk, patron saint of Guinness, whenever it is in May every year, great guy. Um, he, was, he was once visiting Ireland and some of the Christians there, new Christians there, asked him to describe what is this nature of God? How can you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And he leant over, picked up one of these off the grass, and said, Imagine this, if you will, that this is one plant but has three parts. All are equal, all can coexist. For me, it doesn't quite capture it because one could be removed from the other. Are they really three separate things if they are part of one plant? Maybe they're just one thing. Somebody described it very well as, uh, as water, H2O. It's probably one of the most common definitions of God. If you imagine H2O being ice, water, and steam. And you think, mm, okay, I, I could probably buy that one God, three different states. Well, you cannot, in my understanding, be ice and water at the same time. You have to be one or the other. So there's a name for that, it's kind of called heresy. But this belief that, say, like God came down from heaven and became Jesus whilst he was on the earth, and then when he died, he went back up to heaven. Well, that would be God in three different states, and, and that's not what we're talking about. Somebody else described the Trinity, and this is the one we're going to stick with, okay? I want you to be really clear, though. This isn't perfect. There's no perfect... Imagine we are trying to describe the impossible. It's a bit like asking the question, where did God come from? Well, if God created time and space and matter, then you cannot answer that, because he can't have come from somewhere if he hadn't created it yet. It's like asking, when, when did God come from? When was God born? Well, if he created time, there can't have been a when. We're trying to describe a supreme being. This is not Thanos or Thor. This is real, but it's impossible to describe. And I want you to feel encouraged. We're not supposed to understand this. The best picture and analogy I saw was actually an egg. An egg has a yolk, an egg has a white, and an egg has a shell. At any one given time, the yolk exists, the white exists, the shell exists, and at any given time, it's still an egg. Does that make sense? 
as opposed to say, think about me, I was going to try and give this one to you. I am a son, I am a brother, and I am a friend, and I'm still Ricky. How does that work? So when you start to simplify this and use different illustrations, we start to understand that you can be three and you can be one, but this is the divine being. There's a, a, a much better picture, Carol, can you put the next one up? Uh, I've totally stolen this off the internet. Uh, so if we look at that, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit is not the Son, the Father is not the Son. Does, does this illustration make sense? Kind of captures what we are. So when we're saying, when we're praying to Jesus, we're not saying that Jesus is God. We're saying, sorry, we're not saying that Jesus is the Father. We're saying that Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Spirit is God. But they are three separate persons. One entity, one essence, if you will, but three separate persons. I'm 35. I've been a Christian for at least half of that. And I want to confess that I still don't have my head around this. I know that I pray to my Father in Heaven. I'm unable to do that through the Son Jesus who died for me and gave me access to God. And I can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. But I don't quite know how all that works. Why do I raise that today? If the word Trinity doesn't exist in Ephesians, well, when you open Ephesians, you're hit immediately, twice within the first few words of God the Father and God the Son. So I think as we start to work through Ephesians, we're going to have to start working through our basic understanding of who God is. I don't want this to just be a simple Bible study where we go verse by verse. I want to get to know God better. <coughs> Ephesians talks a huge amount about unity. I'm not going to talk too much about unity today. I think Keith has that later on in the program. It talks about two different types of unity. Unity amongst the Trinity. Kind of, we've got that. If we can leave that up there for the rest of the day, that'd be good. But also unity amongst his, his body. We talk often, don't we, about the church being the body of Christ. We also talk about the church being the bride of Christ, without blemish. Well, I wish I had a little bit longer today, but as you all can see, we have the kids in, so I'm not going to take too long. But Ephesians talks about unity. If we have these three parts of God, these three persons of God, then how do we relate? We've talked about how we pray, but... How, do we, how are we supposed to see each of these individuals? How do they relate to us? Why is there three? Why couldn't we just have one? We could have called him Thor. We could have given him a hammer. We could have made one up. But my God is so much greater than that. He represents three persons. Well, why do we call it the Trinity? Why have we looked through the Bible and gone, okay, hang on a minute. This isn't talking about the same person in three states. This isn't talking about three different time frames. This is talking about one God for us, our God, our Saviour. Did you know that in the four Gospels, God was referred to as Father over 140 times? That's directly and indirectly, if you're going to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. A hundred of those were in John. 40 times in Matthew, Mark and Luke. In John it also says, John 1... 114. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is the only begotten 
from the Father, full of grace and of truth. The word is another word for Jesus. A few years ago I was in Chicago and uh, I did this amazing three-point sermon with a couple of hundred teenagers that came along. And the three points were simple. It was called grasping the word of God, grasping the word of God, and grasping the word of God. And they all giggled. And they said, but that's the second point. I said, it's not. If you put the emphasis on different parts of the sentence. So grasping is what we're trying to do today. We're going to try and understand God a little bit better. We're going to grasp the word of God. Well, the word of God being the Bible, of course. We know that. Or an iPad. We're going to grasp, and we're going to grasp the word of God. I'm not going to go through all of them. But grasping the word of God is also about understanding Jesus. The word was there in the beginning. I think it's our, you know, if you, if you entered into a relationship, I don't want to use the word duty because that, that sounds wrong, but your mission would be to get to know that other person as well as possible, would it not? You wouldn't want to, well you'd want to, it would be your desire, it wouldn't be your mission. So if you're in a relationship with Jesus, I think it's our mission to get to know him as well as possible. It's widely understood that the Holy Spirit is also God. The Spirit. One of the most convincing statements, I've stolen this from a website, I just wanted to be clear. One of the most convincing statements in the Bible about the Holy Spirit being God is found in Acts 5. When Ananias lied about the price of the piece of property, Peter said that Satan had filled Ananias' heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. That's in 5 verse 3. And concluded by saying that Ananias had lied to God in verse 4. Peter's words equate the Holy Spirit with God. He spoke as if the Spirit and God were one and the same. I think that would be saying, like, my personality is not part of Ricky. That would be ridiculous. We wouldn't think of that, would we? My spirit, my soul is certainly a part of who I am. It's not the physical sense of me. It's a different element of who God is. We think about Jesus when he was baptised. The three members of the Trinity all show up together, yet distinct. The Spirit descended like a dove. But the Father is heard saying that he is pleased with his Son. My favourite Bible verse, Matthew 28. At the end, it talks about baptism. We did a baptism baptism here not so long ago. And because of Matthew 28, we baptised you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We didn't baptise you in the names of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because that would indicate that they were three different people. They're one person. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if you're well and truly convinced that we're now dealing with one person in three different representations or uh, one essence with three embodiments of it, why is that so important? How do we relate to each of them? Well, if we had another couple of hours, I'd start talking about predestination. If you start reading into Ephesians, it says that at the beginning of time God called you out. He knew who you were. He called you to his purposes. He predestined you. There's a whole conversation that follows that about free will. If he chose you, did you really choose him? We can have that conversation another time. But he did choose you in him before the creation of the world. Remember, the word was there in the beginning. To be holy and blameless in his sight and his love, he predestined us for adoption to his sonship through Christ Jesus. 
You think sometimes why are certain words in the Bible? This one's really important, the word adoption. Somebody spoke to me a few weeks ago and said, if Jesus is the Son of God, how can I also be the Son of God? Well, that's like saying, my brother cannot be the son of my mother because I am the son of my mother. We're not the same person. My brother was adopted. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> I don't think he'd be afraid. He wasn't, he's my half-brother. But we were adopted and Jesus made that possible. So here is a God that not only created you at the beginning of time, but also chose to adopt you. He gave you choice too. My God is a God of free will. So with predestination, it's a very difficult conversation. So we'll touch on it very, very briefly. <clears throat> if God knew the beginning from the end, gave you a choice in the middle, he knew what you were going to decide before he gave you the choice. So why did he give you the choice? Have fun with that one over lunch. But he did, he chose you. And he gave you a choice. In accordance with his pleasure and will. We were saved through Jesus. We know that in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that we might have eternal life. We know, we've just been through the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit came down, didn't they, in Acts 2, baptised them with fire. They started speaking all those funny languages that we speak in our church. It's weird, isn't it? I long for the day where we have somebody from a foreign nation and it's that language that we speak in church. I hear testimonies about that all over the world. It happens, it's real. Just the fact that it hasn't happened to us yet is, it just means we have something more to look forward to. But we know that now the Holy Spirit, the great helper sent by God the Father, now indwells in us. As I said earlier on, we, we pray to the Father. We pray through Jesus. And we pray in the power of the Spirit. Today was meant as a, a taster, really. If we were in Bible school now, we'd have spent at least a day of lectures on this. There are thousands of writings, hundreds of theologians that have tried to explain the nature of God. And that's just in his essence. That's just trying to describe who he is, not what he's about or why he did what he did. We could spend hours, days, years, and still not grasp this. But as many of you amongst us are new Christians, I kind of wanted to let you know what you were getting into. This is how big your God is. You have a son who loves you, Jesus. And that's how we get to the Father. So we get to God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not in this alone. You're not doing this in your own strength. You have Jesus right next to you. But right inside you, you have that same power. When Jesus raised somebody from the dead, that same power is in you. I sometimes get frustrated, and there's a whole argument about this too, but when we pray for somebody and we say, Dear Heavenly Father, please heal this man. When Jesus prayed for the sick, he didn't do that. When Jesus prayed for the sick, he said, Be healed. He said, Get up and be forgiven of your sins. So why do we not do that? If we have that same spirit in us, why are we, taking, why are we putting it all back on God and saying, God, you do it? When he said, We have that same spirit. I want us to take one special learning from today. It doesn't frustrate me so much, but it's, uh, it's an important point. We often refer in this church to the Holy Spirit. But I don't remember a time when I've ever referred to the Sue or the Brian. 
or the less? Do you? The less. The wrong. Why? That's the chair, but it's not the who sat on the chair. If this is true, and I'm leaving it up to you to decide, if this is true, if this is what the Bible says, if the Bible is true, then the Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing. We often describe the Holy Spirit, obviously, as a spirit. It used to be called the Holy Ghost when I was growing up. Do you all remember that one? I can't remember why they changed it. Certainly not a ghost. He's a person. If he's a person, you talk to him. So from now on, we're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is his name. If you don't, I'm going to start putting the in front of your name every time I speak to you. <laughs> the Brian. The Brian is coming. I can, I'd like that. The Ricky. I like it. <laughs> the Bible talks about it as a, as a hymn hundreds of times. My favourite is Ephesians 1.13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. We are a Holy Spirit-filled church. We talk a lot about what we stand for. We talk a lot about what we believe in. The idea of preaching is not to condemn you or make you feel bad about the way you live your life. It's to try and help you understand who God is better. And we're probably going to go through some of those more foundational things over the coming weeks and months. Because a lot of what we believe actually comes out of Ephesians. And if you were here two weeks ago, you'll remember why. Remember, it wasn't a letter to the Ephesians. It probably was to them, but it was to lots of other people as well. It was a circular letter, perhaps, that had multiple um, wisdoms in there. So when we draw out of the Bible, if we draw out of Corinthians, we have to put a lot more context. We have to understand that Paul was writing to a specific people at a specific time with a specific set of problems. You still want to do that with Ephesians because, don't get me wrong, this was still 2,000 years ago. There was still a context, but it can be a little bit more open because it wasn't to a specific group of people. So we're going to try and get to know God a little bit better. We do that. We kind of have to understand who he is and why we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nice early finish because we've got the kids with us. Can I pray for you guys before we go? Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you did. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus so that we might have access to you. Jesus, I thank you that you were obedient to your Father's instruction, that you were able to give your life and die on that cross for our sins so that we could access the Father. Jesus, I thank you for sending the Holy Spirit so that we might have the strength to go through this, this life, through this battle, through this faith that we've declared. Lord, I thank you that we're not doing this alone. I thank you that you are indwelling in us, that you live in us. Father, I also thank you that you brought me into community. You have not brought us to be alone. You have not brought us into segregation. You have brought us into this church, this family. Lord, you have brought us into the wider church and the wider family. We may not always agree on all this different theology stuff, but we do love one another. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters at Swan Mead once more that you, that you bless them. Funny enough, we do agree on lots of things. 
but my love for them, our love for them, our appreciation for them is not based on what they can do for us or whether they agree with us. It is the fact that they too have accepted you as their Lord and Saviour. So Lord, we pray an abundant blessing on them. They're going to extend this building. They need loads of money and loads of favour with builders. Lord, give it to them. Every ounce of what they need, Lord. Every ounce of what they need. We pray for Mark. Lord, we pray a blessing on him as he leads this church. You tell us to pray for our leaders. And we pray for him. We say thank you for his generosity. Thank you for his friendship. Be a blessing amongst these people this afternoon as they come together to, to worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.